you are you are listening to the architecture social podcast now i am in my new little office okay so i might be disturbing the neighbors we'll see how the sound goes well i haven't got my bell here so i can't torture you but that's a little preview who i'm with so i am here on the podcast with the one and only fantastic will richway who i'm sure you've all seen on video, but now in audio only, you get a very special conversation. So rather than us talking together about videos we see and doing a terrible Christmas special, what you get here is you get to learn a little bit about behind the scenes. Turn my phone off. Well, that's not good, is it? A little bit of behind the scenes on me and Will and how we met and what Will's involvement is in architecture and how he got pulled into the world. So Will Ridgway, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on this podcast. I feel very special and honored. Ooh. Hey, I haven't got my soundboard. So I have to, oh, we have to make the soundboards up. Yeah. Do you know what, Will? It just sounds a bit Move the microphone slightly up there, you know? So me and you have mastered the arts of live streams, but we can't do a pre-recorded audio podcast. It's too much. Is it too so, close? So, no, that's perfect. So, Will, tell, tell us all a little bit about yourself. Who are you? So, obviously, I'm Will. Uh, I am an architectural recruitment consultant at McDonald and Company. So I focus in the wonderful world of architecture um, at all levels. And... I've been doing this for about um, two and a half years now, so I'm very well in with the architecture scene. Well, at least are you in anyway. Are you in with the cool kids? Are you getting uh, there? Yeah, I'm getting there. You know, I'm gra I'm gradually, uh, you know, losing the suit and tie. You know, becoming a bit yeah, more careful. That is <laughs> true. Because when you started, so when Will started with me, so the clue is we used to work together. Um, still speak a lot. Um, so when Will joined, he would wear the suit and the tie. When you look great. So, and I think it's very important out there for anyone wearing a suit and tie. We're not having a go at all. But now I've got, we've got Will down to wearing a suit and a nice shirt without the tie. And I think that's a nice level for architecture. Do you feel a bit more comfortable now then? Yeah, I do. You know, it's, um, yeah, I do. It's, I think when this first started, the reason why I wore a suit and tie was because that's what I thought I should be wearing, you know, you want to look the smartest possible, but then you realize that, you know, it's, um, you don't have to wear it all the time and it's much more relaxing as well. Top button undone, you know, relaxed. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. So the recruitment is a lot more than just about a suit though. Right. So let's talk about your journey. So you actually, you, you went to university. Which university did you go to, Will? I went to the University of Birmingham in Okay. So, and, and you could have probably never predicted, right, that you would have um, gone into architectural recruitment. So it's kind of a happy accident. We'll talk to what it's like to recruit in the architectural world. But so what did you study for everyone? So I did, um, I did a bachelor's in sports science, and then I got to the end of the bachelor's, and I was thinking, right, what? do I do now? And I thought, I don't know, let's do a master's in sports science. So I then did a master's in sports science. Uh, and then obviously that led to here, although that's a very simplest route. How that is so, that, that, <laughs> How that, so, do you want me to go in? 
Um, we'll just we'll go over a bit, but you know, you you did the classic thing of you're a graduate, you know, you suddenly you've got your degree, and then you've got to go out into the big wide world and get a job. Now, job seeking is stressful, right? And so, uh, while we'll talk a little bit about our interview, and look, you were hired, so it went well. But you know, like me as well, when I was looking for jobs in the past. I didn't get the first offer, right? I'm not Superman. And I'm, how was your experience? Did you go for a few interviews and you, you had a few close calls, you had a few um, no's, and then you led to this one. How was your search in particular? Yeah, so I'll, so basically when I got out of uni, I was like, I, first of all, I don't know where I'm going to go. Uh, and I was thinking, what jobs are there for me? Because I was obviously thinking, right, let's use my degree because I've just spent the last four years getting the bachelor's and the master's. And so I was having a look and then the things that I wanted to do, I needed to do further courses, you know, on, which obviously meant more time or more money. More studying. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I'd already spent four years. Uh, I know this is um, nothing compared to what an architect goes through. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, I was like oh, oh no, no, I did I five years, but um, I didn't do my part three. And look, everyone goes their own way in life. Four years is a lot of time studying, so it's yeah. only getting. So um, I was like, well, I don't have the time and money to do any further studying. What can I do with what I have? And then I think I got approached by a recruiter um, who was asking me, would I be interested? And the idea of it first seemed a bit weird to me because I was thinking, I can't even find myself a job. How am I meant to go and do a job <laughs> where I've got to find people a job in the first place? Um, but then it occurred to me that it might be a really cool move to do because I think the career progression in recruitment is quite a lot and so that's when i started having a look into recruitment and i think i applied applied to quite a few places i had a few interviews i went to one interview it lasted three hours long and they said no <laughs> at the yeah, end of it uh and then wow. i know that's, that's a lot of everyone's time <laughs> oh i know i met like three different people and um but then also i had obviously had the mcdonald and company interview and we had yeah. group interview uh which was i actually came to the interview not knowing it was a group interview uh, i thought it was going to be a one-to-one -one, so i was a little bit surprised it was a group interview but in the end oh did you did you yeah. did you oh, oh my, my gosh, gosh that must have been a nightmare so for anyone listening to this okay so i wouldn't necessarily do this per se in architecture but in recruitment let's just say you're looking for people's abilities and it's not necessarily like you have to have a part one degree to become a part one architectural assistant. Recruitment's very different. It's you're looking for someone's raw skill sets and ability. Therefore, the CV is kind of uh, wide open. And so we did, and, and McDonald Company it is a great, uh, I've had a great time there. And at the time, the recruitment process was like, everyone kind of came in. Okay. So let me actually, let's go into this because I saw two perspectives. Put it this way, right? I really appreciated everyone coming. So I'm going to put that disclaimer right out there before anyone has it, uh, before I say anything else. I really appreciate everyone coming. Okay. Problem is with these groups, not everyone suited to the role. And... It kind of goes on for an hour and a half or two hours or three hours, okay? And it's a bit like X Factor, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes you have some good batches, okay? Then sometimes you haven't got the best batches. And then I imagine from your side of the, 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 your side of the table, 
there's this element with group dynamics where you can influence it a bit, but you can't really control it a bit. And then you might have someone overbearing in the group, or you might have someone in the group exercise you do that's in you're like, oh no, what are you doing? So how was it, Will? Was it a mixed bag? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm not a fan of uh, group interviews in the first place because you're almost, it's like a false friendliness that everyone has. With each other. <laughs> hey, just come on in. No problem. Yeah. We're just looking at you and analyzing everything. Yeah. I mean, like if, with the people that you're interviewing with as well, like everyone's trying to like work together and be really super helpful and everything. And it just doesn't seem very genuine to me. But um, the activities we did were actually, were actually quite fun i'll be honest i kind of i kind of yeah. forgot midway through that i was actually doing an interview and then but you do have uh you know a lot of them are like just team building uh that kind of sort of activities which nothing relates to the job at all it was only really at the end where we had an activity that was related to the job where we had to like pitch our own recruitment business i think it was that's what we had to do and so we had to get into groups and pitched that and um i i influenced it in my behavior in my favor because i picked to do recruitment i said we should do our recruitment industry and the sports sector which obviously i already know about uh, so. insider information yeah so i influenced everyone to do it that way and it obviously paid off i guess um but yeah you do uh, there was a few people that i was thinking um yeah i, I is, Sorry. Well, no, no, no. It's really interesting. So what's interesting in my brain is that I do not remember the sports business, but the bit I do remember is that we managed to have some form of engagement. I think I asked a tricky question without being too... Uh, I, like, I, I try to ask a tricky question, but give someone scope to answer. And I remember specifically that you came back to me and you, you respectfully disagreed and backed up what you said, which was important because then you stood out. Okay. And so for anyone in the audience here that goes into a group interview, you want to be memorable because at the end of it, I literally had everyone's uh, faces and that's put ticks and crosses and maybes. And um, I remember originally put a maybe, but I was really inclined to interview you. Um, and some, uh, look. We're all happy you were there, but let's put it this way. Everyone had a different opinion in the group who'd hire. Yeah. So anyone listening, if you had a group interview, you've got to make an effort to stand out. Otherwise you could be totally forgotten, but okay. So you went through that. You did the, the, the friendly group interview of extreme analysis. Okay. You got your maybe, and then the green tick from me. And then you came back. How was that experience? So, and I look, that was pre-pandemic, different time. We've got less battle scars than we got now. You've learned a lot since then, right? But transport back to when you were babe in the woods, yeah? Yeah. Little, little did you know what you were going into. So you tell everyone what it was like. So you must have rocked up to the interview. You're like, oh, this Steve Drew, whatever, is inviting you back for the architecture team. Did you do any preparation for the interview? Absolutely. I did preparation for the first interview as well, even though, again, like I said, I wasn't aware mm -hmm. it was a group interview. Um, yeah. You've got to do preparation. Like I tried to, um, I tried to learn parts of, you know, what McDonald's company did or yeah. does uh, and, and basically, and then also what recruitment does as well. Because I think yeah. particularly in recruitment, it's not something that most people you know, spend their lives working towards to go into a career. It's almost something that recruitment finds them 
if that makes sense. And it's important for people to know about that role. Uh, whereas, for example, in an architecture role, that's still very important. You need to know that role, but obviously you're being geared towards that. So that's probably the difference between that and recruitment. Um, so with me, I had to learn exactly what recruitment is, what it entails, because it's not always obvious. And a lot of things are true. A lot of things that I know now, when I look at, for example, CVs and things like that, seem obvious yeah. to me. But that's because I've been learning the industry. I know what to expect. I've seen so many CVs. But for me, yeah, so I had to learn about the role and things like that. I wasn't quite sure. I don't know if I was, I don't think I did any preparation necessarily on the architecture side, but I think that's because I wasn't sure exactly which team I was interviewed by. I can't remember. Uh, yeah. But I just remember learning about the company, you know, and just making sure that I didn't turn up and was completely clueless because you don't want to look like that. You want to just come across really friendly and uh, knowledgeable, well, at least competent to have done the prep work beforehand. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really well said. And, and you definitely came across well read. I'm not going to embarrass you with any stories. I'm not going to talk particularly about um, the particular anatomy that you did for your dissertations. How you how you managed to get heat readings, but it was it I was the thing is is I was more interested in your ability and and I felt that you were um, so it was a gamble with graduate roles because um, I think you see someone it, it, see something in someone and then you've got to just jump in and give them the job. So I saw something and I was very keen to build up the architecture team and this was 2018. Um, yeah, and I remember I had I had got I had a massive eye infection. So you you know remember oh, yeah. you, just, you saw me this awful eye infection. Anyway, so we all, uh, you met uh, the MD, who is definitely a tour de force and fantastic individual. But you know with the MD, you always get that MD thing, don't you? And that's a bit like oh, you know, it was one well, thing yeah. meeting me who was an associate director, but when you meet the managing director, it's um it's a it's full it's full on. It can be a bit nerve wracking, but you did well. And so you really was a baptism of fire, okay? And so I think what we did, which was really unconventional, but I kind of think it makes sense in recruitment, is that we said we would give you a trial, which is paid, and I think that's a really important distinction. And for anyone listening here, I think that's a really good way to do it. If you're going to do a trial, you've got to pay someone. You can't do unpaid internship. And we were never a company to do that. But I remember, let's uh, see, so you're... You're, you're racking your brain because it's uh, two and a half years ago, but you, you rocked up for, I think, two to three days, wasn't it? And your recruitment's pretty full on. Um, now, the difficulty that any a good recruitment consultant has in architecture, and that's probably a, a really important distinction. So for anyone that's listening, if Will's mum's listening, you know, he's done really well. But if someone in architecture is listening, why this conversation is going to be really useful is in, in two fronts is that a good recruitment consultant has to really, in architecture, has to really understand architecture. And it's just no way you can, you can teach that overnight, okay? Because it was hard for me, who was a part two, to then go into architecture at recruitment. I remember coming home feeling like, oh, information overload, my brain can't take any more. Um, and now I think your industry knowledge is because you do it for two and a half years, it's much stronger. What was it like jumping into recruitment? So less about the recruitment, but more about learning the ropes and architecture. That was, uh, um, was that like playing a video game on hard mode? 
Oh, it was um, it was extra difficult. I think it's because I had to learn both recruitment and architecture at the same time because they're both yeah. not something you pick up straight away. I think when I did the trial week, it was just before Christmas, and, um, and basically I didn't really focus much on architecture. You gave me sort of like a rough understanding, mm. uh, but it didn't really sink in. And then obviously mm. you gave me some reading materials to read mm. over Christmas to when I so that when I started in January, mm. I was you know, ideally in a better position. But again, I think it took me about, it took me a long time to really understand architecture because it's so complex. Uh, a lot of it as well, for me, you don't, I had to learn to have a taste in architecture as well. Yeah. I think um, for me, before doing this, it's going to sound really um, naive, but for me, a building was a building. Uh, it didn't matter yeah, how yeah. it looked like. Um, but then, doing this when you see people's portfolios people's work uh, companies projects it helped me get a better idea and develop a taste in certain buildings and then so i had to learn all of that i had to learn all the part the architectural roles as well i think it took me forever to understand the difference between revit and bim for example that sounds really bad oh, yeah. but um, uh, yeah understand yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it's not easy it's no. great i mean a lot of people still lump it together most people think that uh, it means Revit, like Revit is the, but well, yeah, it's, it's full on, isn't it? Well, and on the, can I just, before you finish that, I want to expand on what you said, because you're, you're right. Architecture taste is so difficult because as well as that in CVs, there's so many things that go on compared to a traditional CV. So if you're an accountant. That word document and PDF file is all right. right. Yeah. <laughs> but in architecture, yeah. the graphic design is important. The experience is important. The reba stages are important. The file size is important. The project's quality is important. The sectors are important. And it's such an uphill battle. So I remember when you started a few times, ah, that's a good CV. And I was like, no one's a bad, no, right. I, and we're going to be really careful what I say here because I want to get it right and I want to be true. Everyone can get a job in architecture. It's going to be hard, harder for some people and not everyone can overcome it. Certain people are not right for certain companies. Okay. Let's be important here. Recruiters are not the hand of God, so matchmakers. You get a role requirement and then you find the person and a good recruiter can influence that. They can help the client see that people that they might not have thought of generally there's only so much leeway you have there and unfortunately in life and it's a tough world not everyone gets selected for interviews but will do you remember when you start and you're like i think this person's perfect and i'd be like no what no why uh, so what was that like at first is that difficult yeah it was really frustrating because like to me i was thinking Finally, I found a, I found someone. <laughs> I found someone that does architecture. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I found an architect in the yeah. But for me, it took me. Even though it seems really simple to me now, it, it was like matching up the different sectors, the different project typologies to what the studio was looking mm. for. You know, just because you've done uh, a hotel scheme doesn't automatically mean you can do a residential scheme, for example, um, or they'd be relevant for that particular project. I yeah. mean, most cases. You know, yeah. there are there are transferable skills, um, 
but it was just difficult for me to get my head around that. And I look back on it now and thinking, how did I find it so difficult? And um, but that's hard. It, it it is the way it is. And um, but um, that's one of the things I actually do like about working in recruiting in the architecture field is the CVs, the portfolios, because yeah. I think if I was doing any other recruitment, if I maybe for um, well, I don't know, but any other particular industry where the CVs are a lot more, uh, they're a lot more detailed. They're a lot the, the way their structures is a lot different. They're not very designy. I think it wouldn't grasp my attention as much. Whereas in architecture, I get to look at all these lovely designs that everyone's done, and because I I'm quite a visual person rather mm. than um, a, a reader. I will read it, of course, but something that grabs my attention visually is going to keep my attention. So yeah. That's what I quite like about architecture. Uh, and that's one of the things that I initially grabbed me at the beginning. And eventually, yeah. once, I, once I figured out exactly what I needed to do for every single role, everything went smoothly. It got to a point where suddenly it just clicked. And I never really looked back since. Uh, I don't know how it clicked. It just did one day. It just does. It's a bit like riding a bike. Um, obviously, you had me there, you know, and I, and. And I was, oh, that sounds wrong. It sounds like, of course you survive as a me. No, the opposite. Recruitment's difficult. And so obviously, you know, as a manager, you try your best. Um, but it's a two-way thing. It's a two-way tango. Uh, two takes two to the tango. So it's like you, you need ideally good management. And that's difficult because recruitment's quite volatile. You're reacting to jobs. You're reacting to people. Um, but then also it requires the input from you. And like, you know, look, you don't... You worked incredibly hard. You've been working in the office longer than me. You know, maybe I was it's like, cause I worked in architecture practice before. I'm like, but I'm always going home in the dark, but you were always there. Uh, that's good at the start. Cause I think you kind of, um, you learn the ropes, but you're right. I think that once you understand architecture, it really helps. And I think that that's one of the frustrations with other recruiters on the market. Look, you've got some really great people, but every recruitment really relies on someone um understanding the industry so i posted on on uh oh, you'll laugh okay i will try not to go on the tension on your podcast well your podcast episode the last sat they had someone really complain about recruiters and i tried to be diplomatic but then acknowledge the problem but kind of say how to go about it and i help the students but um obviously the perception of recruiters is incredibly mixed and i had this person going oh, oh recruiters are bad check it out you need to google and I was like, I'm a recruiter. I've done it for seven years. Oh yeah, but not you, just other people, you know? And I was like, no, that's not true. There are many good people out there. But what do you think then, Will, is good practice for recruiters in your experience? Like, how should you go about speaking to clients and candidates? Is it um, uh, pushing people, you know, is it the, in one camp, pushing people in for interviews and twisted arms and lying. I don't think it's any of that. I think it's all about doing things the right way, finding out what people really want. And then, you know, sometimes telling them the truth. I haven't got a role for you right now, but you know, if something pops up, I'll let you know. And, and then also one of the things with our role is sometimes we have to be that person of giving the unfortunate feedback, which kind of sucks. No one likes doing that. I don't, I don't go, Oh, I can't wait to go to work today to like, give someone the news they haven't got a job, but tell me about what you think is good at practice generally. Well, I like to always think as recruitment as matchmaking. Uh, you essentially, you get a brief 
from a practice. They say, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. And you find that person that has X, Y, and Z, but also that person, that person also has to be looking for something that practice can offer as well, because there are lots of people out there that might fit necessarily the job brief, but that job brief might not necessarily suit what they're looking for. And so whenever I speak to, um, people, particularly, you know, architects who are looking, it's always important to work out what they're looking for, right? So you can go through all the questions saying, oh, you know, what have you done? Um, you know, um, salary, blah, blah, blah. But it's important to work out mm. what it is that they're looking for. What kind of practice do they want to work at? Is it a large practice? Does the location matter? Maybe flexible working? Yeah. Um, maybe you're moving because of salary. What pra Do I have a practice that can, you know, offer you a higher salary for a very similar role? There's a lot of things that you've got to consider. And whilst, you know, I don't claim to be able to tick every single box because it's quite difficult to tick that whole, you know, shopping list. It's important to tick, you know, prioritize the most important bits. Perhaps, for example, it's com quite common that a lot of people uh, move practices because they're working weekends, for example. They're working a lot of overtime. And so they're looking for somewhere that can offer, you know, a bit more flexibility, maybe actually finishing on the dot might be nice. So I'll find them somewhere that can actually do that and make that priority. But maybe they're also looking for ideally a smaller practice. And, um, you know, if I can tick that as well, amazing. But as long as I get the work-life balance sorted, we're probably going on to a good win. And so I think it's important just to not just, you know, convince people to take any old job it's important to make it a right move for them because every job that you take is a career yeah. development right yeah. so you're doing it for a career development even if it's yeah. for things like work-life balance you're still doing it to improve your career and mm. um, your career prospects so it's important to take everything mm. you know make it important you don't want to just move for the sake of moving you want to move for the right reasons and that's why i always try and work out what are the reasons you're moving so that I can fulfill them? And if I don't have anything for them, you've just got to say it. You know, you don't want to keep them hanging around. You don't want to be giving them false promises. It's yeah. best to be upfront. And my view is also that uh, a recruiter, we're plugging in the gaps, right? You can Google architect jobs and find loads of jobs. That's fine. But there's also a lot of jobs out there that aren't advertised, that aren't as freely uh, visible. And so I'm there to plug in the gaps and, um, you know, expand the, your job search. So I think yeah. that's kind of the good practice and the whole honesty. You don't want to be, um, you know, if, if it's a no, for example, tell them that it's a no. If you've got further feedback, tell them that feedback. Uh, and the same as well with the CV. If I've got a CV and I don't think it's quite right, they've got the skills there, but the CV needs some feedback. I'll give them that feedback as well. So that not only helps them with the jobs that are applying through me, but helps them with the jobs that they're applying themselves. And yeah. um, I, I like to sort of give something back and have that sort of mentoring aspect as well. So I think that's quite important. And then people remember you and they come back as well, which is always nice. Mm, I think that's well said. So well done. Uh, if I had my soundboard, I would have done a little clap there, but you'll just have to imagine it. Um, well said. So I kind of, I had mixed feelings because on one hand, Recruitment, my father, if he's listening to this podcast, he probably will because he listened to Stephen Grant's once and he'd be really interested to hear what we say. Um, he thinks his definition of recruitment is a necessary evil. And I don't agree with that quite, quite as much. 
What I do think though, is that on one hand, it's an incredibly stressful job. We are kind of shoot the message of territory. If it goes right, it's great. If it goes wrong for whatever reasons. Unfortunately, we're usually there with, I don't know what the expression in football would be well or whatever, but we're holding the ball, right? You know, it's like fingers point to us. So there's a lot of, we have to be really, um, we have to be really sincere to the listeners here. So while I do think there are good recruiters and, um, I, I believe the reason why I've done this for seven years is hopefully I always try to do the right thing. Sometimes when things go wrong, which they do, then you own that mistake and you, and you learn from it. But unfortunately, and you'll remember this in the office that we're not going to name names here. Where I'm getting with this though, is we have had competitors in recruitment, which haven't been so caring about architects careers and, uh, which is really a shame. And, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to point any fingers. Why I'm slowly, carefully picking my words here is that, uh, there's a lot of great recruiters, but then there's a lot of recruiters that I do think I question their true motive, you know, it's like, what do they really want? So how does someone will distinguish, uh, the good intentions while you're using recruiter, or let's phrase it this way. So you talked about how you want to treat people, but if for anyone listening who is speaking to recruiters, okay, or choosing who they want to work with, do you have any like practical suggestions? And I'll freestyle with you because I think it's a good question, but now with all your experience, and if you were looking for a job in architecture, what kind of, would you ask a recruiter, how would you work out if they've got a good intentions and what are the red flags? Um. I think the red flags is when you don't really get much information about the project uh, or the company that um, you're applying to, for example, if um, obviously you'll hear the name and everything, but if they're not very knowledgeable about the project or certain aspects of the job, for example, um, that can be red flags because it, yeah. it, it shows that either yeah. they are not fully invested in the job, maybe they actually don't have the job brief, it's mm. more of they've heard it's out there and so they plan to just send you over. And that does happen for it anyone listening. It, it's, it's rarer, but there are a few companies that will go, oh, hey, yeah, we're definitely working with those and that. And because what that is, is trying to send a speculative application to win a fee, which kind of sucks actually, because that can stop someone getting an interview. It's mad, isn't it? It can happen. It can happen. Uh, so that could be a red flag. Um, I think it, it can be quite difficult to to find a good recruiter uh, sometimes, unless you've heard it from word of mouth. That's yeah. probably a good one. I mean, for example, yeah. me on my LinkedIn, I've got, I think, about 13 recommendations from previous people that I've placed. Hopefully that's a good indicator that I've yeah. got a track record that might be good. Um, some recruiters, you know, um, won't have that option available. It's also good to have a look at the websites uh, that they have. Uh, and just, but again, that can be influenced by the recruiter. So it's quite, it's a quite difficult question to answer at, yeah, yeah, yeah. because, you know, at the end of the day, particularly if I get a CV through, I call them up, they're speaking, you know, I'm a stranger to them. How yeah. do I win them over? And for me, the best way to win them over is to be completely upfront. Yeah. Um, make, 
the questions I ask are actually diving into the, you know, what they're looking for. And um, basically you try and personalize it as much as possible because if I'm speaking to someone, I sound like a robot. I'm just asking question after question after question rather than having a conversation. It's not a very good way to, you know, it just sounds like I'm reading off a script and doesn't sound like I'm actually truly engaged into what you're saying. But if I can have a conversation with someone and develop that relationship of, I'm trying to work out what you want, help me understand that, then that way it shows that I actually have engaged with you. And then particularly as well, if I suggest some practices that tick those boxes, shows I'm listening to you, which hopefully would mean that I have your intentions um, in good faith. Uh, in good faith? I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah, no, I think it's perfect. And I'll just jump in on that because you're right. I did ask you a large question. I think that's really great advice, isn't it? I think everyone, it's like the same as when you're looking for a job, do your research. And I think a good recruiter will have that track record. You know, you can ask them who they've worked with before, the kind of companies, you know, and uh, more specifically on your LinkedIn, okay? Like you said, so well, you've got recommendations. I think LinkedIn's a great tool for that to do your research. And also you can do research on the company, can't you? So whether it's a company like Bespoke or a good reputation or McDonald's company, which has a really good reputation. And I, well, I'd hope so as well, because I worked there for a while and that reputation I still think is very good. So well done, Will. But you look at the track record, don't you? You see what's happened. Now, I think that's a really good starting point. The other thing is, I think that it's generally a leap of faith for both parties. So upfront honesty is the best thing. Sometimes things don't go always to plan. This is life. But there is an element where one of the things, especially if there's any clients listening to this, um, or our candidates as well, that you, the more you can, you want to, on one hand, be constantly, um, evaluating the recruiter, you know, if you get any of those red flags up, then obviously that should kick in, you know, your spidey senses kick in, something's not right. Something's fishy. Then, okay, that's fair. That's fair enough. You can kind of retract, but otherwise the kind of, the more you can be upfront in that process, the better. There's nothing worse, in my opinion, than asking someone what salary they really want or what their true agenda is, and then it goes down the recruitment process, and that turns out not what it is. And equally, it's hard for a client, in my opinion, to expect uh, a recruiter to find the right person if they haven't got time to speak to them properly, haven't got time to invite them in the office, because then we're kind of like, really, we're just throwing CVs around, it's a matchmaking. And if you don't understand the architectural practice, how can you do a good quality service? And I think that that's incredibly hard, especially when you go into recruitment, asking for a client that, because on one hand, maybe the client's been let down before and they're like, oh, here we go, another recruiter. Let's see how it goes. Just send me some CVs and we'll take it from there. So I really understand that frustration, but sadly, I don't think you're going to break that uh, cycle easily unless you let someone in. So it's kind of like you have to build that rapport. And I think the way that we used to go about recruitment and uh, most of my clients were return clients well, isn't it? And imagine the same for you now. And that's really valuable. And that's built up on trust. And what I think we found, isn't it? Well, with one or two clients that the more we could get involved, the more we could go to meetings, the more we could influence a few events. I mean, there's one big client I'm thinking of, 
Remember where I forgot half the flowers on the way there? But we went to these meetings constantly and we were able to influence the salary for the better. We didn't actually make any money out of that. That wasn't the point. We were looking for a client's best interest because that was part of the service. And I think that that really helps. So do you find, Will, the more engagement you can have with the client, the better your recruitment then is, the better informed the decisions are? Absolutely. I mean, you know, both candidates, you know, people looking for jobs and clients get to see the same from recruiters. You know, they see some bad recruiters. I see some good recruiters. And... But it's difficult, particularly when, for, for me, if I've not previously worked with clients, they don't know who I am. It's very difficult to win them over because they'd be like, like you said, oh, no, here's another recruiter. We've already got enough. It's very difficult to make yourself sort of stand out and be, you know, um, and, 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 be, and be better. So yeah. for me, I think it's, you know, it, it, there is, a, like I said, a leap of faith because, you, you know, if you completely clo close yourself from everyone, you're never going to get anywhere in life in general. Um, cause you're not gonna be able to build that relationships and, you know, all relationships start by people let themselves, you know, um, you know, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And to entertain the idea of it. So, um, but, and then, you know, once that's happened, you've then got to make an effort to prove why you are, um, uh, you know, worth their time. And mm. that's why it's important for me to be as genuine as possible, to be as helpful as possible, go beyond just sending CVs make suggestions say what you know what you might need instead or maybe for example i'm struggling to find someone that fits that particular job um sorry i've got a call coming through i'm just trying to ignore it um maybe <laughs> maybe you've got someone that doesn't necessarily hopefully fit the it's job. not simon the md i will <laughs> yeah i'll say if you've got someone that doesn't necessarily fit the job but they could mm -hmm. move into that that's worth the attention of a client. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, having those conversations, developing those relationships so that you become, they, they start to trust your judgment more. Um, mm. That's important. And that's something that you have to work towards. Um, but again, it's just a whole, you know, whole honesty thing. And I think if you've got returning clients, that shows you are doing something well. Um, I've had clients suggest um, who, who referred me to other clients to, you know, to use them uh, or to use me, sorry. So, that again as well is a good sign that I'm clearly doing something right. And that's what I wanted to do, you know, always just keep on improving and um, develop my and improve my network, really. I kind of yeah. went on the topic a little bit uh, to the question. I can't remember what the question was. <laughs> it, it, it all kind of links. I think it's about just, I think it's a life lesson. And what I'm learning is that the kind of values that we're talking is not recruitment specific. So architectural practices as well. I'm seeing the same thing now that I work at Aqua Lowry. A lot of it is about repeat clients and it's the same thing. It's about building up that trust, that honesty. And it's so, so important. What is different at Aqua Lowry compared to what I used to do is how I used to manage a team. Now, Will, um, am I, so we'll have a bit of fun here for a bit and I've got one or two questions, but what, what is my, what's my management style like, Will? <laughs> Uh, I like your management style. And I think that's also one of the things that helped me get to where I am now. Uh, well, it's one of the mm. big things, to how I got to where I am now. Because I think, particularly at the beginning as well, where I had a lot to learn, you kind of just sort of dumped me in it all. But you weren't like letting me drown. You were making me, making me work for it, but at the same time, you know, supporting me where needed. And that's the thing, because you don't want to necessarily hold someone's hand throughout, you know, their development. 
you want to give them some freedom, but then rein them back in if they, you know, go off the path a bit too much. Yeah. So your management style for me was quite effective because essentially you, you, you're quite upfront, quite honest as well. Good communication. That's always important. Mm, yeah, well, I've got, yeah, but the, I'm not perfect either, though, is this? You have to learn, like, I have a short attention span, and I will. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, that is true. But, you know, the pros. <laughs> yeah, you're being very nice gods. to me. Yeah. No, I'm being serious, being though. very nice. You, uh, I have a short attention span. If if I'm doing something good, you let me know. If I'm doing something not quite good, you will also let me know. But you'll yeah. let me know in a more constructive way rather than just saying, that's bad, try again. You would help me. And that's what I quite liked because essentially you weren't just. Um, overseeing me you were training me up uh and you know and and that's why i liked about your management style but yes your attention span wasn't the greatest but um you had um pros in other areas so yeah i think uh I, look you've got to fix it skin and my rule is that you should always be constructive to the person so it's never about their lack of ability you know um because you know the worst kind of thing would be like you can't do this why are you so stupid and like no way that's not true this never true and anyone that has experiences that kind of management it's well hey you've got a bad manager what i like to do though if, a if, if something's a stressful situation it could be handled better be more like okay we didn't do the best there come on i believe in you let's do it again come on we want the best we're aiming for the best and i think that's a bit of a more constructive way but management is a bit difficult um what i was going to say here as well is that so that's the nice front, but I suppose now I'm gone. You haven't got anyone taping your screens and changing the keyboard. No, that is true. Flopping them ergonomic keyboards in the monitors. Well, that sounds so bad. And I don't want to expand on it any further because it sounds weird. But I think you've got a bit of fun in the office as well, isn't it? And that's uh, one thing is like, I, well, I love recruitment. It's valuable. Um, there's definitely, you, it's proved can be brutally hard. It can be brutally punishing and, and you can have the highs and the lows. So there's a meme somewhere, Will, where like online was like what everyone thinks about recruiters. And so it was like, what my mates think about recruiters. And there was a picture of um, a recruiter in, in the pub, you know, what yep. my parents think about um, recruiters. And it was like a guy being really professional in a business meeting going like this, you know? And then it was like, what the clients think of the recruiter. And then it was a guy holding up loads of money, throwing in the air, like, woohoo. And then it was what the candidate thinks. And it was just like impossible to get hold of something. And then I love the meme because it was like, what recruitment is really like? And what it was was a picture of herding cats. <laughs> Sometimes, because that's what it's like, where you're like, Oh, you finally got the interview and you can't get a hold of someone, right? Oh, yeah. Or we've all had the one where the person can't, they're stuck in a bus, they can't get to the interview. And so the thing that you kind of learn and you don't see in recruitment is that, wow, I've enjoyed it a lot. Behind the scenes is this recruiters are kind of sometimes holding all the cogs together, just barely holding it in. I'm sure you've had a few, um, we've had a few stories like that as well, isn't it? Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, that's one of the things. Like, I'm basically spinning loads of plates all at once. I've just got to keep them all spinning. And then sometimes, mm. uh, I think it's when communication breaks down. That's what 
frustrates me the most. Um, I'm not going to yeah. say that anyone in particular. I'm just frustrated of the situation itself where maybe I can't get hold of a candidate or I can't get hold of a client as well. And I just don't know what I'm doing. Uh, should I be sending more CVs? Um, should I be arranging this interview? Should I yeah. cancel the interview? It's um, that's when I yeah. not I don't enjoy it at all. Uh, but everything else is great. Uh, well, most things most things are great. It's like any other job, though, isn't it? But it's yeah. um, it's definitely an interesting one. But right, right. Okay. okay. So we got to the forty five minute mark. Now I think we'll talk about one more chapter because look, we 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 kind of covered the ethos, and this has been a really good few tips here for candidates, clients as well. But we have been part of this journey and me and you had an unconventional time. So when I was, uh, it was February, I was in my Ted Baker suits, which now would like require about four months or five months diet in again, right? And we were on target for the biggest team and the big team was growing. Me and you were having a beer in the new marketplace across the road, which opened and then there was, you know, the pandemic, right? And so me and you, we, we were like, cause I, ah, I think it might be something there. And you were like, <laughs> you were like, I don't worry about them stats, but Steve, yeah, you're being crazy. And we actually had one client who was absolutely fantastic. and was like, yeah, let's be all over in a week. Or oh, that was, that was, do you remember that? It's like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's over in a week. No, it was not. I had the same oh. attitude as well, though. I thought it'd be all over in like You missed the stats. Yeah. yeah. And you, had the, you told me the statistics and you were mathematically correct, but your equation became more and more probable. It went from improbable to like, <laughs> to definite. So basically everything changed and architecture, it was rough. It was really rough. Because there was nothing to recruit. Try being a recruiter when there's nothing to recruit. It's an absolute nightmare. And so even though we've, we held on to client, some clients and all this stuff, all these projects got canceled around us. And so I went from wearing my lovely Ted Baker suits, which will probably be quite retro by the time I'm skinny again, Well, so they'll be good again, right? Okay. But we went from all that time period to the pandemic. And so... You go put in furlough. I survived for one month because I had one big role. And then I filled that role. And then I had no other roles. So I got put, I got put in furlough. It's like being frozen in ice. So it felt like hand solo in the ice. Like, no. Um, and so for the first month, um, so you were quite disciplined. Uh, I was not disciplined because my brain doesn't work like that. And I went, I think it was quite crazy, but you know, I enjoyed my Netflix, I enjoyed my wine. Damn it. Damn that wine! It's caught up with caught up with me. My my balancer hanging in the corridor. But after like a month, I just couldn't handle not doing anything. And we kind of took a bit of an unconventional turn. So we couldn't work because you're not allowed to work. Neither would we. I believe that's what the government paid for. We have to be respectful. Anyone that broke furlough, I can't agree with it. It's an employer. I think it's wrong. So I kind of came up with the idea of starting a little community. Do you want to tell us what the start of the architecture social was like from your perspective? Yeah, it was, uh, it was funny because it was almost like an amalgamation of all your ideas that you'd, you know, been talking about over the years. And then you just pull, you're like, right, let's just do it. Make a community. 
and have all these ideas you know come together um but obviously it's got to start somewhere right so it started off really small I mean, very I small we were doing like little webinars where we would go like do you remember i forgot the press record and the zoom oh, yeah. did. <laughs> you and jack right. were like why are you doing steals yeah. i panicked i'm sorry i remember as well for our first live um live stream that we did my i was having tech technical problems and yeah. i had you just going mental in the background you're like what's we can't go yeah back. i was i was really and i was like as well whatever you know me i'll be honest i was like hung over as well from the first live stream so it was like it was like absolutely um and you can see that it's on it's on it's on YouTube. It's actually quite informative. I actually listened back to it. Like I think a year all late. of us have been quite informative. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think we really talked about a topic that's not been helpful in some way or form. Uh, yeah, I mean, what's interesting is the production value is so different to yeah. now. So there's always this involvement. But um, I remember the first episode. So you had me hungover, you know, short attention span, and I'm hungover. Right? You couldn't get your technical work panicking about a recorded um it wasn't a live stream it was a recorded webinar the community is like six people and we were fr i was freaking out now we live stream to the whole linkedin and youtube and all this stuff but it was so different then yeah it was, it was um pretty it was a pretty nerve like nerve-wracking yeah. a little bit um when we're doing like the, putting our faces on the camera i mean you started doing that bit before the pandemic with your videos that you would do um, oh yeah. When you talk about like a particular job brief, for example, so you were a little bit more experienced, but it was still very nerve wracking, particularly when we were doing it to people live. Uh, that was uh, that was a bit you know nerve wracking because mm -hmm. I never done anything like that before. Yeah. And you have to, and I think after our first one, we were like, oh, that actually went that went really well. We look back in it, and it's um it's not as well as we think it did but it's obviously you know we were still learning we've learned these skills how to present in front of a camera and whilst we, i i'm not sure about you but i wouldn't say i'm very i'm not perfect i still fidget around with things and make noises in the yeah, background constantly and but i've learned to i've learned such a new set of skills and it's kept me occupied during the uh, you know for a lot of the pandemic and i think it's been really helpful as well for me that because like I said, one of the things that I liked about recruitment is that sort of mentoring aspect, telling people what they might need to improve or helping someone with something. Yeah. And we could do that with the videos. And I quite liked that because there was a sense of fulfillment there, which obviously I wasn't getting from the job because I was on furlough. I wasn't allowed to work. And I found yeah. it was it was almost it was such a good thing that you came up with. Uh, and that's something that you obviously let me get involved with. And I've really enjoyed it and obviously continue to try and keep myself yeah, involved. Yeah, we still do it, and it's kind of, it's 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 interesting because I think one of the downsides with recruitment, which is kind of a, it's just the nature of the world. Because when you're working on a brief for a client, it's sometimes hard to get people that find the time to give them advice because you've got to really crack on with that role, and you'll meet amazing people, and you kind of want to sit down and give them the time and the advice. So, like part ones, for example. For recruiting an architect, it's really hard to give them advice. So what's cool about doing the videos is that you can you can kind of give someone some information that which can really help them because unfortunately you can't talk about that all on the phone. But yeah, I think it's been a bit of a fun journey. I'm proud of all the videos, uh, except for the Christmas special, which is which is like <laughs> to this day, right? I just think it's awful. I will keep it at the take all. And so anyone's listening, I haven't fully talked about this, but I had to take 
some of the, um, the videos of YouTube, but they're now I'm hosting them direct on the because YouTube, uh, did not like one video I did because we would, we would talk about videos, um, on YouTube. And so I didn't get demonetized. I got reported and it turns out for whatever reason that that was probably wrong. Cause there's a, there's a freedom act on, on YouTube where people are allowed to talk about certain thing if it's not stolen. So, and if anyone saw me and Will, okay, I was definitely not ripping off content because you had me and Will chatting over it. So it was absolutely madness, but they're all there. Okay. So, and we are going to resurrect some architecture show in some format where we get guests on and, you know, me and you will be there, like, don't know, Jay Leno and his sidekick or whatever. We'll work something out, but you can definitely check out those. I think though, it's a new, interesting time though, isn't it? Because there's a place for the online, but now we're kind of going offline again, which is good because that means I'll start moving around and I'll get my 10,000 steps in, but that will be the interesting bit. And we haven't quite worked out where everything is. So, um. I have to see what the journey is. What, what do you see things will at the moment? Do you see, uh, now that you're working with companies are people returning to the office and, and where do you see it? Do you think it will be 50, 50 zooms and physical stuff as well? I think a lot of people are returning to the office. I, what I would say though, is that, um, obviously the pandemic's pretty much has broken down that door to flexible working, working from home. And yeah. a lot of practices will be continuing to do that in some form or another. It might not be, you know, you might spend the majority of time in the office, but you'll have, you won't necessarily be in there five days a week, for example. And I think that's going to continue going forward because, you know, with, with the lockdown, not lockdown, with the um, restrictions supposedly easing after the 19th of this month. We'll see though. See. I'm, I'm like, I'm on the fence on one hand, it's all for confidence, but then yeah, we'll we'll see about that. But um, yeah. a lot of people, you know, want to have some sort of flexibility working because they've, you know, they've enjoyed it. They you know don't necessarily want to spend all their time at home because I don't think that's that constructive. I think it's good to be in an environment with, surrounded by people in an office, yeah. particularly for junior members of staff where they can see their senior members and learn off them and help improve and develop themselves that way. I don't think, you know, people will be working from home entirely, but I think things like maybe working four days at home, uh, four days in the office or three days in the office, and then those two or one days at home, that's going to be important. And I think because a lot of people that I speak to who are looking for jobs are looking for those types of jobs. And there are practices out there that offer that. And ultimately a practice could probably entice someone to join them. Um, uh, because they have that set up in place. So, and I think a lot of practices as well have also invested some time in maybe laptops, for example, no, invested money into laptops, for example, mm -hmm. uh, which obviously going to pave the way to make it a lot easier for people to do that flexi working, for example. So I don't think it's, it's going to be gone and buried. I think obviously a lot more people are going to be, you know, you know, I'd encourage people to go out there and, um, you know, catch up with you know, lost time, obviously from a safety point of view, wait yeah, your if you want to, uh, yeah. whatever the rules are at the time. Um, but, um, I don't think online will be dead. I mean, online was never dead before you had podcasts, you've got webinar things that were already happening before the pandemic even started. I think 
but people are more attuned to the online world now um, after having to live through pretty much via the online world for the last 12 months. Mm. Well said. I think uh, jury's out, but I agree with you. I think we'll always have some shape of online, but it would be quite cool to get like physical aspects to it, you know? Um, and what was interesting just before we go, because we uh, an Aqua Larry, and so of course, well, I recommend you speak to Will on recruitment front. If you ever did want to work at Aqua Larry, just hit me up. I'll tell you all about him. But we actually did interviews and especially on the senior roles, well, it was really useful doing an initial Zoom interview. Then coming into the office physically, it's really instrumental because especially when someone's got like three months notice and it's such a big role in their life, it's really useful to see the office because especially if you're in a management position, you kind of need to know the layout. But of course, at a safe distance and we have coronavirus tests in the morning, all this stuff. Do you get what I mean? But I do think that... It's a good combination to have both because before, isn't it? The idea of a Zoom interview was like, no way. It was like, you go down to a physical interview. And that's why when we started doing the social, giving advices on Zoom interviews, I remember being like, oh my gosh, well, I mean, I've got some ideas, but this is new to me. You know, I'm like, what do we say? Um, whereas now I think we feel a bit more confidently. So we're getting up to now to the hour mark. And so. I guess it's because it's me and you and we've got the history, so there's lots to talk about. But I think at this point, I think unless you're at, we're going to wind down a little bit. But just before we go, what I'm trying to do now, because I'm always learning, Will, I'm always learning, okay? And one of the things as a host, it shouldn't be all me asking the questions. It should be that the guest gets to ask a few questions as well. Um, do you have any questions for me live on air that... You want to ask me? Whoa, interesting one. I wasn't re I wasn't ready for any questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, good, good, because otherwise you would have planned some like super duper hard question. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll I'll have to do some of the easy ones like your favorite dinosaur things like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, corny T Rex. <laughs> yes, basic. Um, I would say is um, obviously you've um. Hang on, yeah, I've got a question. All right, so obviously you've spent a lot of time on the social. The social's been yeah. a year old now. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's gone through a lot in a such short space of time. What do we have to look forward to in the future? Good. So a uh, good question. Truthfully, it always kind of evolves. And you're right, there's bits and bobs, which are some of them are like echoes of ideas I told you. So that when, like, I told you an idea today, which I'm going to be rolling out, and hopefully that will help people out in their job search, it's not going to replace a recruitment consultant because you can never do that. But I think it could help steer people in the right direction, maybe. So uh, once I, so I'm always thinking of tools, okay? But I just like design. I've done loads of stuff on the social and it doesn't work, okay? I, we did Revit courses last year and I thought that was going to be the best thing since sliced bread, yeah? And I remember me and you talking about it and you were like, that is so good. And... No one went to them. <laughs> so I'm learning. I think that for me, I have the big ticket item, I think now is the architecture directory. So that's the thing I've built, but haven't really had a chance to promote. That's why we, when we had a conversation, you were giggling. You're like, when are you going to promote and start selling this thing or whatever? And I'm like, Ross, I haven't had time because 
building the website. And also the truth is I wouldn't regret the social, but I do sometimes have unhealthy tendencies when I work long at things. So I'll work a long time on the screen. You know, I can, I eat more, I'm not as active and that's caused a bit of a imbalance in my life, which I will correct, but there's two things. So I, I need to kind of get that balance back because I want to be alive to see the social in 10 years. Okay. That sounds more dramatic than it is, but um, it would be nice if I didn't have knee pains in 10 years when, when the architecture social is still around and it would be nice to fit back in my suit. Uh, so that's like on a personal note and that's maybe a real sincere. Um, but it is difficult because developing and running a business and suddenly now I'm on my own. And also while I work at Aquilera, which is great, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of financial bearings and there's a lot of responsibility on the social. And, and when you're driving in, well, you're really helpful and it's really great to have you involved. The buck stops with me because I've made it that way. If I stop, it stops going forward. So. It's a lot of onus on that, but to answer your question on what's next, I think like building up the directory is going to be really key because where I think it will be good is that it will hopefully give insight into the culture of architectural practices. And so it will be a really useful tool for everyone, the useful tool for companies to promote the culture, but it's useful for people to find, uh, companies, which they respect. And maybe they send a direct application, sorry, Will, but, uh, or maybe, you know, you as a recruiter, you could even use that tool because you'd be like, look, here's an insight into the company. And I think that would be really valuable. So that's my next goal. Uh, so I give you a personal goal, uh, sincere goal, cause you know how I feel, you know, all my demons, you know, I, and, um, I'm far from perfect, but then I, that's my professional goal is to build up the directory. So right now it has public knowledge and we have one or two people register. And last night my website wasn't working with someone registered. So I was fuming at myself books, you know, I'm like, um, but it works. So it works now. So for any practices, sign up to the directory. Do you have a, another question for me or am I, have I, am I free to, um, to, you know, shuffle out of here before you find the tricky one? Yeah, I think that was the biggest question I could probably ask thinking about it. I don't even want to ask you loaded of questions and put you on the spot. But I well, we kind of know each other. This is a bit difficult because I probably answered a lot in private so they don't pop up in your head. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, that's where it's at. And so it's been a really exciting journey. Acro Larry, Lynn a lot. I love being back in an architecture practice. Love applying recruitment. Um, so a lot of respect for that. It really helps out with the architecture social as well. So definitely watch those spaces. So Will's I think on that note, so we're going to end this podcast here, but you are in the architecture social, you are on LinkedIn. Where do people find you if they want to reach out? They can reach me obviously on LinkedIn, uh, Will Ridgeway, that's my name. Uh, obviously McDonald and company as well. It's where I work. It's where I spend the majority of my day. Oh, really? Didn't yeah. know that. So McDonald and company on the website, you can contact me via there. Um, and also my email wridgeway at mcdonaldandcompany.com and that's Ridgeway mm -hmm. without an E as well but um, yeah just yes that's in. <laughs> that is a tricky one you know yeah. you're going to be forever be corrected in your whole life now your name's gone oh, I'm used to it now <laughs> you're used to it so it's find Will Ridgeway 
Well, it's been an absolute guest. Continue to do some stuff on the social. I am going to end this now. So you stay on the line, Will. But for everyone listening, thank you so much. Drop Will a message uh, if you need any advice with your careers. And um, message him in the architecture social. So make sure he logs on to my community. Because, Will, do it, do that. Message him on LinkedIn. But send him Will on architecture social. Thank you, Will. Have a good day. Take care. Bye. Thank you.